You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Didn't finish it, Bruno. Mm -hmm. Dropped out, was out for a little while. And we don't really know where things are going sometimes. We're just mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I've, I've gone to school, now you go to yeah. college. I've gone to college, now I'll go to uni. But yeah. like, you know, that was who was writing that story for me. It was like it was written and I was just going with the flow as opposed to deciding what I wanted to do. And I'm there kind of scratching my head like, all right, cool. I'd always had jobs. I was always kind of busy. I was always financially okay. And I was like, yeah, I've messed this up. Understanding that everything really is a people business, whether yeah. you're selling yourself, selling properties, mm -hmm. selling, you know, lemonade. My, my thing is that I've never been like, okay, I'm trying to grow the biggest portfolio right now. So the first one I told you about, uh, I sold that. The next one I sold it? that. Deals, I sold them. But generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, property is quite forgiving because you're buying a tangible asset. You know, I have days I'm just thinking, this is like, this is long, I'm tired. Mm. It's like, really? Yeah. You think it's long even though you've achieved so much? Yeah, I think it's long. Like, I just think, oh, like, you know what? Like, I could just chill. Like, I could just chill. I could just have my buy-to-lets, have a portfolio, mm. sell up some of the development. You know, you could buy up north. What, what's the most money you've made on a deal? Welcome to the Takeoff Experience where I sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey, their failures and their successes. If you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Takeoff Experience. We have a very special guest in the building. Kazi, how are you doing today? You know, I'm, I'm intermediate. I can't even say, I can't lie to the people. I can't say I'm doing good, good. But you know what I mean? The weather is getting me down. But one thing I think is super important is if you make a commitment, you got to stick to it. So. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. And yeah, definitely appreciate you coming in today. I mean, today, people are going to be listening from, mm. uh, from three weeks from now. Today's the day it's snowing. So the weather is yeah. terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So on a scale of 10, how are you feeling? Do you know what it is? You know when, as soon as you step out of the car, mm. like, and I've been in and out of the car, in and out of meetings all day, I feel it in every bone in my yeah. body. Like, I feel the cold. But it's, you know, you have to persevere and push through. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right. I won't keep you too long. So, the first question I've got for you is, who, who is Kazi? So... I mean, Kazi is I, and I am Kazi. Um, Kazi, effectively, is like, you know, I could almost call it an online persona. Mm -hmm. Starting lockdown, first one, 2020, there was a case of, you know, everything stopped. And yeah, two choices, you can either just enjoy the stop, enjoy the break, or take an opportunity to kind of reflect. And I was never really on the social media space. So I started highlighting what I do, just kind mm -hmm. of talking through my projects, kind of being very transparent with the numbers. And effectively what I do is I'm a property developer and investor. So investor means I buy assets, but developer is basically where it's your job to take that asset and add value. Okay, um, And that's effectively what, you know, what I do in terms of the online space we would call it just sharing, I guess, some of my journey. So I'm also what you would call in the content creation space of yeah. property as well. Cool, cool, cool. Love that, love that, love that answer. But I want to know a little bit more about you. So mm -hmm. where are your parents from? So my mom's English and, mm -hmm. and Welsh, actually. Mm -hmm. I can't, can't discount the Welsh, English mm -hmm. and Welsh, and my dad's Nigerian. Cool. Were you born here? I was there? born here, yeah. Born, born here, born. Have you ever, ever been back to yeah, Wales yeah, or Nigeria? I've been... Do you know what? So I've been to Wales for the first time, 2021. Slow down. Ironically, okay. first time. I think a lot of us, like, and I think 
Like it's you know sometimes when you ask people from the UK, have you been to yeah. Wales? You've been to Scotland? You've been yeah. to Ireland? A lot of people haven't, and then we cuss the Americans for the <laughs> in it, in it. Potato, potato. But yeah, I've been to Nigeria. I've been mm. to Nigeria a lot. Mm. Um, we're just finishing off some work over in Nigeria okay. as well. Doing, doing some property development there. A family home. Okay. That we're developing um, nice. into, into a number of units. Nice, 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 nice. What, what do you think of it out there, in Nigeria? Um, luckily through connections, mm. like, you know, a lot of businesses, people businesses. Mm. So the person who did the initial shell and core of the project, yeah. where a lot of the stress can be, um, was actually a landlord of mine. That okay. One of my first rent to rent landlords that I've been managing. What well, I managed, I've still managed some of his properties yeah. now, even though I don't actively wow. really do rent to rent. That's probably going on 11 years, 12 years. Cause that was before it was even called rent to rent. It was okay. just a case of. What, I, what were they calling it back then? It was a case of he was overseas. A okay. state agency in the UK was ripping him off. I could oh. see it, and I just said, "Oh, what's going on?" So the people are not paying him, and I just looked at basic numbers. I said, "Okay, what's the place worth? Mm. Okay, how much you get in per room? Like, how much are they renting out for?" It just didn't make sense mm. that they couldn't pay, and it was just they were taking advantage. Wow. So just sort of stepped in, provided a good service, and obviously built relationships, and that's who ended up building out the Shell and Core. Okay, wow, that's that's that shows the power of networking, right? I think, building a good yeah, the thing is like a lot of people mm. always wonder where to get started mm. in property or with anything. But like, you know, if you provide somebody a good level of service, like with an entry point, yeah. whether that's like being conscientious enough to hold the door open for somebody that can mm -hmm. start a conversation, yeah. whether that's being a really good estate agent or a really good, like, you know, staffing customer yeah. service, those things do get noticed, particularly yeah. by people that understand the importance of those kind of, you know, those, those minor details. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, we're, we're, we're definitely going to talk a lot about prof property today, but I just want a, a bit more background stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming from London, where, from London. whereabouts? Uh, London? South London. So. South, South London, yeah. South London, yeah. Did you grow up in South London or another? Yeah, part? like I've always been sort mm. of in and about South London. Um, and it's that's why I've always invested in South London. Okay. Because that's for me, you know, like my kind of educational background was economics so like there's okay. a principle of specialization like yeah. if you've got a skill and i've got a skill mm -hmm. even if you're better than both of them at me it's still more efficient for me to mm. focus on one thing and then we trade yeah because then we both get the benefits of that trade and the that's specialization that's an interesting perspective to look at it mm. so you said you did economics did you do that all the way throughout to university so i did it? it at like so a levels mm. Um, I did it at Brunel, so that's when I was in West London for okay. a little while. Okay. Did it at Brunel. Mm. Um, didn't finish at Brunel. Mm -hmm. Dropped out. Was out for a little while. Why? What was the reason? I think it's just uh, timing. Yeah. So okay. you know, naturally, we just kind of like a lot of the time we mm. follow like the the mm. trajectory of this is just what life is. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't really know where things are going. Sometimes we're mm -hmm. just like, okay, well, I've I've gone to school now. You go yeah. to college. I've gone to college now. I go to uni. But yeah. like you know, that was who was writing that story for me. It was like it was written and I was just going with the flow as opposed to deciding what I wanted to do. Okay. So I think it wasn't the right time, which is why I underperformed. Right. But, you know, I still okay. wanted to go back. I enjoyed the vocation mm -hmm. when I was studying at A-level and I didn't enjoy yeah. it because it was the wrong time at university. Right, okay. I love what you just said there. Like you felt like somebody else wrote the story and it wasn't you that wrote mm -hmm. the story. And it seems like you had a, a realization um, about that. What did you end up doing then at that point? So do you know what? That yeah. was like, when people say, oh, like, what was your mm. your low moment? Like, yeah. what was a moment where you thought? Yeah. Because I did an extra year at college. Okay. So that's already, I'm already like 19 going to university. Mm. Then I did two years and dropped out. Yeah. So I'm 21. Mm. So my peers now, like the ones that did, you know, did the university route or even the ones that, you know, went straight into employment, yeah. maybe from school. Like the ones that went into employment had had five years of had five years of work experience. Yeah, the ones that have gone into university are on grad schemes. You know, the ones that were popular yeah. then, whether it's your KPMGs, your Deloitte's, little yeah. all of the ones that were popular grad schemes. And I'm there, kind of scratching my head, like, all right, cool. I'd always had jobs. I was always kind of busy. I was always financially okay. And I was like, yeah, I've messed this up. And that was kind of like I had a moment, and I kind of spoke to my dad, and I was like, I was like to my dad, yeah, like I was proper upset. Like I think. I think I cried. Like, I was just like, yeah, I've, mm. I've messed it up. And my dad kind of looked at me and said, yeah, no. So what are you going to do? Okay. Like, kind of like, right, but what do you want me to do? You're, yeah. you're 21. Like, and mm. I was like, yeah, no, I hear that. And that's kind of when, not instantly, probably went to sleep, probably was like, nah, this is dumb. Mm. I think, I think I went on a holiday, actually, funnily enough. Went on a holiday, went to Egypt. That's where I kind of, for the first time, saw shisha in the environment of shisha. And I was okay. like, okay, this is cool. I like this. Mm. They always say, do something that's your passion. So I bought shisha pipes and set up um, a shisha business, mm -hmm. which was like my 
outside of you know paper round and leaflet delivery and other stuff yeah. that was my first business business okay wow wow and i think yeah i saw a bit saw a bit about that shisha business how did it go generally for you was it did you enjoy it over time or was you like getting to a point of like okay no i, I really enjoyed yeah. it at the beginning like you know it's a super social setting yeah. you know it's, it's entertainment it's, yeah. it's hospitality mm-hmm. so it's kind of like if if you like that, then it's good for yeah. that. Um, the margins, you know, margins at that point in time were like a thousand percent markup on shisha. So of course, yeah, of shisha, I guess you were one of the first. So we were early, like early, yeah. not like, you know, but early adopters yeah. into because okay. it was like, you know, smoking ban happened maybe yeah. five years before that. Right. Everyone was building Very up early these nice smoking bland, yeah. nice smoking outdoor smoking locations. Yeah. So you're going in there and you're giving the venue a value proposition. They don't really know she, she don't know how to mm-hmm. say, like, listen, I'll run it. I'll provide it. You just yeah. let me in. I'll clean up after myself and let me charge the consumer directly. Yeah. Now, like the events are even saying, oh, is the shisha guy going to be there? Mm-hmm. Like, make sure we want him on the flyer. Yeah. And, you know, it's good margins. Mm-hmm. It's, it's social. Like, so we did that. We started doing festivals. Festivals yeah. were cool because, like, you know, realistically, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to fall in labor laws. But obviously, I just offered, like, my friends. I was like, look, yo, they're giving me, like, 10 tickets to V-Fest, for example, or Best of All. And I said, look, they're giving me all these tickets. You lot come, work a couple hours, and then go to the festival when you want. Yeah. So like, I had my friends kind of working for me and helping. Wow. And then, so we was making, like, really good money there. Wow. So then... What happened at that point? Because you got into property after that, surely. No, right? so so then yeah. then I got a premise, mm. but I had like something called a license. Right. So I'm not yeah. sure how much you know about commercial property. No, effectively, with commercial property, mm. when you take like what you when you rent a commercial property, mm. the the legal procedure is very much like almost not like buying it, but you do full on conveyancing. Okay. So that's your property now yeah. that you, you don't own, but you take a lease. Okay. The same way if you buy, you know, yeah. buy a flat, it's leasehold. Yeah. So you're responsible for the repairs in that building. Right. You effectively, generally speaking, it's it's within side the leaseholder like reformat. You can extend the lease, you know, indefinitely. So that's your business forever. Yeah. When you've got a license, it's much more like a tenancy agreement. If the landlord's yeah. like, yo, sorry, like we've got other ideas, want to give oh, you wow. two months notice. So I couldn't even though the business was profitable, mm couldn't really invest in the way I wanted to. And it kind of, mm. they just sort of just... Was he just being difficult, this landlord? No, it wanna... was, I had a sub, yeah. the license was granted by a leaseholder. So the owners was the right. council. They'd granted a license to somebody else. You know, granted a lease to somebody yeah. else who granted a license. So it was yeah. one of those sort of too many cooks in the kitchen. This is very complex, right? For somebody just wanting to do their just own business. Just run a business. Right? But yeah. it's it's the understanding of yeah. those complexities yeah. and the intricacies that, you know, effectively you got to be in a position. And that's yeah. something that, you know, every experience you take something away from yeah. and it's how to solve a problem. Yeah. So even in property now, mm-hmm. Like properties with lease issues, mm. subsidence, um, Japanese knotweed, yeah, all sorts yeah. of different things. I remember, I remember all of that. Hearing all of yeah. that, all the, all, the ba- all the things to run away from. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd run towards them, be like, okay, cool, they're a problem. Yeah, give me the right amount of discount, and mm. I've worked out. You know, I know how to solve them. Okay, wow, that's crazy. Okay, so then, what what was the first property then? Because obviously the shisha stuff didn't work mm-hmm. then. What made yeah, you so the say, shisha okay, was, let me go properly? So, so I actually went back to university at the same time I was oh, doing swear. shisha. I oh. finished my university Man. degree yeah. whilst I was running a bar, okay. whilst I think I bought my first property, like from, okay. you know, so the first property, yeah. I remember my broker and I remember speaking to him being yeah. like, I found this property. Yeah. I think it was an auction property. I think I bought it on a bridging loan. Matt. I think, you know, say so it was all of the, are you sure things? Yeah. You know, but. But luckily, you know, and he was like, this is a baptism of fire. But, you know, it transpired and it worked and the plan, we executed mm. it. And effectively, that was like the litmus test to say, okay, can this work? Mm. Wow. Because <clears throat> you've seen it, whether you see it on Homes Under the yeah. Hammer, whether you see like friends doing it, hear about other people doing it, you see it. And it's like, you know, one thing that I really learned is you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Like you can just take an existing idea and mm. do it better. Yeah. So what, for that auction one, was it like completely... All right, like there was no problems with it. So it was a housing association disposal. So for those that are not like familiar, like so some institutions have to sell their products when they dispose of them for like the highest price. They have Mm -hmm. to take them to a public auction. Mm -hmm. So because that's just the way they dispose of their properties or their assets, there's not necessarily a problem. They're just looking at its stock that, you know, maybe is worth too much and they want to buy stock in cheaper areas. So they have to sell it there. So it's not necessarily, you know, yeah. it's three types of properties in auctions. Yeah. Generally, you're like a distressed seller, somebody who's fell into financial difficulty and has to sell it really quickly. A problem property of things like they've got loads of issues. Yeah. And then, you know, institutional sellers, whether that be like the government or whether that be like housing associations. Mm-hmm. And generally, obviously, it's not 100%. You've still yeah. got to read the legal packs, the special mm-hmm. conditions, do all of your due diligence. But generally speaking, you know, they tend to be a safer bet. They tend to have brand new leases, 125-year leases, mm-hmm. Peppercore ground rent, like, you know, so low service, wow. service charges. Yeah. 
Wow. It takes a little bit of the, yeah. you know, risk element out of it. Not all of it. Yeah. We still got to do due diligence. But. Yeah. Wow. You've definitely dabbled a lot in auction properties from the way you're talking. I've never heard of any of the different types. I mean, you know, I assume that most uh, properties on auctions were some sort of default happening on a mortgage. Mm. That's it, really. I didn't really know about the other ones, yeah, housing that, associations you know, or... You know, because it's in institutions and institutions yeah. have to be seen to be being like transparent. Yeah. So if the, like, for example, sometimes somebody passes away and they have nobody yeah. to inherit the property. After a certain That's amount of time, true. that property has to be sold. You can't just leave it vacant, you know, yeah. forever. So they sell that property, but the government can't just give it to an estate agent who might yeah. give it to his friend because there's too much opportunity, you know, for, for mudded, for mudded waters effectively. Yeah. So it has to go to auction. Yeah. Same with housing associations. And then you also have, like I said, people that buy something. Sometimes, you know, you can use websites like, um, I think it's a I G I believe it okay. is a I G E I G. They don't pay me, so I don't mind, <laughs> but, um, you can use them to see how frequently a property has been in auction. Cause if you see something's been in sold, yeah. come out, sold again, you're like, okay, there's a big problem with that. Okay. Okay. Huh. I'm going to check that out. So I was wondering, so, okay, so you got your first property, mm. but were you doing it full-time at that point? When did you decide, like, okay, so yeah, do you know what? Since, since then, mm. like, basically from when I closed the bar down, mm -hmm. the shisha bar, then effectively I didn't have any other vocation. So I was full-time in property. Okay. I may have not been the most busy person in yeah. the world, but, you know, that yeah. was that was my job. How, how were you making money initially? Because obviously when you first buy a property, Unless you're renting it out, mm. there's no money coming out. So, it, so. again, even before yeah. that, before I set up a rent to rent business, mm. I still had some rent to rent properties. Oh, okay. Like, so you, you know, did so some rent to rent before, during yeah, this. Yeah, but okay. it was just like at the time, it wasn't yeah. rent to rent. It was like, okay, yeah. cool. Like some yeah. overseas landlords. And again, it's all about looking at opportunities. Yeah. Some of the most basic, you know, business yeah. principles, whether that's SWOT analysis, mm. whether that's like Maslow's hierarchy yeah. of needs and all these things, like if you actually implement them, you'll mm. find that just think them through mm. in different kind of like analytical scenarios and they yeah. really help. Yeah. Do you feel like the techniques that you use to find a rent to rent would still work in today's climate? <laughs> like what you did, yeah. like the way you did it. How, how did you find them actually? So, um, in terms of finding rent to rent, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a different market mm. in that, but for good and bad reasons. And yeah. that's why I said do your SWOT analysis. So, yeah. for example, let's say we looked at the, the rent to rent market then. Yeah. You do SWOT and you're like, okay, what's the strengths of the market? Mm. It's quite a new thing. No one really yeah. knows about it. Yeah. So, you can be an early adopter. Yeah. The weakness is that because nobody knows about it, you've got to really sell everything yeah. and make sure there's maybe not the mortgages in place that can allow landlords to, you know, kind yeah. of feel secure in it. So, and then just kind of obviously looking at where the opportunities are and just going through the full circle of, okay, what can we look at to do a deal? Yeah. But in terms of how we secured them, um, it was across the board. I never, the only thing I didn't really push mm. that hard was, the, you know, the popular direct to um, mm. owner, like going through the HMO list and direct letter campaines. Okay. They do them, Sounds but do, do you know what? Yeah. It like, funnily enough, off the back of one of those campaigns, yeah. I've given one of my HMOs to a guaranteed rent company okay. now in this market because the yeah. letter just came through at the right time, yeah. right place and was well presented. I might have received 200 of them, yeah, but it was just the one letter that came through at the right time. Yeah. And if a letter's costing you, what is it? I mean, obviously you've got to pay for postage now, which mm. has gone up, but if it's costing you 50p, I'm not sure exactly what it is, yeah. but you know, it's not, it's not a poor investment. How many do you have to send out before yeah. one covers the cost? Mm -hmm. Um, but generally speaking, when I was doing it, I was doing rent to HMO. Okay. Um, What's that? So a HMO is a house of multiple occupancy. Okay. So it's becoming, even now it's becoming more and more common. Yeah, it is. I'm hearing it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So HMOs are super, you know, it's basically because yields, which is mm -hmm. like the return you get on your investment mm -hmm. from, from, you know, from, from an investment mm -hmm. are not that high in London yeah. to kind of deal with that, to maximize the rental yield. A lot of people, you know, HMOing and not just in London, but you know, in hubs all over the country. Yeah. Where does that rent demand? Yeah. But to go back to your question in terms of how we sold, I think it was a case of just having a pitch yeah. and understanding that everything really is a people business. Whether yeah. you're selling yourself, selling properties, mm -hmm. selling, you know, lemonade, yeah. a lot of it is just <laughs> like people, people and product yeah. combined. So at a starting point, understanding who your landlords are. Mm -hmm. So if I want to sell to a landlord, like mm -hmm. landlords are not all the same person. Yeah. If you, for example, you have your home this home you may be inherited. Mm -hmm. You met somebody, you're like, okay, I'm going to move out of the house and I'm going to rent it out. Mm -hmm. But that was your family home. Yeah. You've like, you know, you're an emotional attachment landlord. You want to know that somebody's going to love that home like you yeah. have and like the generations of your family had. So maybe that's going to be your driver. And understanding that is means you're going to know how to sell yeah. your proposition correctly to that landlord. There may be somebody who's, you know, just 
a landlord in terms of, I just want to know my investment. What's yeah. my bottom line? What's my numbers? How are you going to give me security? Yeah. Yeah. So I think just really understanding the landlord yeah. as a starting point and then just building up like, you know, a confident pitch. Yeah. Uh, so we, to start with, we're trying to do a lot of like direct to landlord, trying to go through. Direct landlord means you go, you try and find a landlord. Direct, yeah. So you can yeah. use things like platforms where landlords market their property directly themselves okay. without the use of an agent. So that's yeah. like your gum trees, open okay. rents, spare yeah. rooms, yeah. et cetera. And then mm. also, you know, all sorts of things. Like yeah. one big one I give people is like go to networking events yeah. that have nothing to do with property. Okay. Because like a, like a business one. Yeah. That's, like, that's so like true, go yeah. to the one for the GPs. Somebody who's super like that's cash rich point, and yeah. time poor, yeah. most likely have invested in property or considering it. Yeah. And be the property expert in the room. Don't be the property guy amongst a hundred other property guys. That's a very good point. That's so out out of the box thinking. And I think something like that. I didn't even think of it. That's actually genius. You're right, because firstly, there'll probably not, not be another property person there. Yeah. And, and like even you if said, there yeah. is, you're just like, you yeah. know. Bigger, bigger pool, more people to talk to, people yeah. that where you are providing expertise. Yeah. You know, and it's a you know what's crazy? I remember actually somebody somebody did something strange. Mm -hmm. Um so my my property, somebody I only have one mm -hmm. that I live in. So somebody literally uh, posted a letter to me saying that they wanted to buy my property. It wasn't like from like a big agent. I guess mm -hmm. it was like maybe somebody wanted to buy property undervalued mm -hmm. and then do whatever they wanted to do. I found it quite fascinating. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I've never but seen anything like, like that before it's just so. like fishing yeah like you basically. know like you know the adage of you miss every yeah. shot you don't take yeah so how much did it cost to you know there's companies that it probably was a big company but yeah. they probably handwritten it to make it look more personal yeah, yeah. and you can pay companies to handwrite your letters or yeah. print them so they look handwritten that's crazy and it's just a marketing <laughs> strategy but how do you want to fish do you want to fish like really direct where you're yeah. going to a networking event yeah that's the rod and the reel yeah do you want to fish really broad like the yeah. big net and just cast it and catch what you can yeah it's just different techniques but with the wow. same end result that's crazy get a fish <laughs> so how, how many properties are you managing right now in your portfolio currently so i mean for me mm. my, my thing is that i've never been like okay i'm trying to grow the biggest portfolio right now so the first one i told you about uh, i sold that the next one i sold it? that deals i sold them because I if you can't. if you start yeah. Like if I give you this example, yeah, mm. you start with eighty thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. You go and buy, you know, even let's say for, for arguments, I'm going to use round number. You start with a hundred thousand mm pounds. -hmm. You buy a property for two hundred thousand mm pounds, which means you got to put down your deposit. Um, so give or take, you know, you got to put down yeah. seventy thousand. You pay your stamp duty fees, refer refurbish, and you're all in for a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. um, if you now refinance that property at the end, and you refinance it for two hundred eighty thousand or something mm -hmm. like that. You've got approximately, you know, seventy thousand pounds of your of like of equity in that property. Mm -hmm. Now you can pull out some of your profits, which will be, you know, maybe. No, so you can pull out some of your own money, which mm -hmm. will maybe be like fifty thousand. But the issue is, you then only got fifty thousand. That's not enough to go against. So you've got yeah. to wait for that property to appreciate okay. in value. Whereas if you take out all of your money plus your profits, mm -hmm. then rather than the fifty, you've maybe got one hundred and forty, for example. Right, right. So you're just flipping. So I was just flipping because yeah. my thing was in terms mm -hmm. of. You can be in a different mindset. You can be in a place where, you're, okay, I'm trying to retain the wealth I've already got. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm just trying to look after that wealth mm -hmm. and make my money work for me. Or yeah. you can say, you know, I'm, whether it's not, I'm young enough, or I'm active yeah. enough, or I'm hungry enough that I want to be out here and I want to make, like, I want to work my money. So yeah. I want to put the work in. Okay. So I guess you said that the approach, I guess the, the con, some people will say, to that approach is that you're having to put time into yeah, it's not flipping, as, right? It's not, yeah, you've got to put yeah. the time in, but yeah. it's like, what's your time worth to you? Is yeah. Okay, so for example, true. I just finished like a deal over in Streatham, and I think mm. one thing I'm always like transparent about the numbers. We bought it for around five hundred and twenty thousand mm. pounds. It basically had established use for it to be retained as two flats, so mm. we sold each of those flats for around say four hundred and twenty-five thousand, and sold the garden for fifty thousand. So basically, nine hundred thousand. We bought it so for five twenty. Mm. Cost of works another, mm. call it a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. You know, then you got the cost of finance, stamp duty, etc. Mm. Just for argument's sake, say that's taken us all the way up to seven hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. It means technically, if we refinance those properties that are worth nine hundred k at a seventy five percent loan to value, we can basically keep those properties for free and get all of our money out that we put in it initially. Yeah. But we've still got two hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds in that property. Yeah. Now those two buy-to-lets, assuming current rates, mm. they're probably making you about mm. a couple hundred pounds a month each, yeah. which is maybe even if you're lucky, five thousand pounds a year. Okay. Do you think like right now, if I said do you want five thousand pounds and you got your money sitting down there a year, or do you want two hundred and two hundred odd thousand to go and reinvest in ideas that you have right now? 
what would you take? 200,000, man. And obviously you need to bear in mind like the downside because yeah. let's not pretend yeah. like there's not capital um, yeah. capital gains tax to pay. Yeah. Like there's not the time you have to. And also mm. you miss the fact that, you know, properties, generally speaking, maybe not for the next year, but do yeah. appreciate in value. So you miss the capital appreciation. But it's, True that. Can you effectively outwork the capital appreciation and the rental yield? Yeah. I wanted to ask you because, you know, I was curious, like you, you mentioned renovation. How- yeah. Where did that part come from? Like, where? How, how did you learn that? Because a lot of the listeners, obviously, they want to get into the property mm. game. They might be interested in flipping, but they're like, okay, but I don't know how to increase the value of a property. Like, how yeah, do I do I mean, that? Like, again, it's for example, there's don't get me wrong. There's like some people that do courses. They mm. can take you through their courses. Mm. Um, there's all the information is out there as well yeah. for free, pretty much. Like whether it's myself, whether it's you know, I can name like. 10 different people yeah. with property podcasts that all do great stuff and there's hundreds of hours out there but obviously you've got to dissect the ind- individual information so really immerse yourself in, in actually the learning mm. once you feel confident enough then you've got to get out of the you know the mindset of okay I've yeah. got to learn 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 and start doing because mm. you know you don't want to get stuck just yeah. in that wheel of learning forever um but yeah I think you know for me Generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, property is quite forgiving because you're buying a tangible asset. Yeah. As long as you like, you know, you can do your comparables and you pay a good price day one, mm-hmm. then you can maybe afford for the loan to go on for a little bit longer. Okay. For you to maybe overpay on the build or yeah. maybe get the design a little bit wrong and not really kind of meet the, the target of your end user exactly. Because, you know, it's... <laughs> It's more forgiving than a lot of other assets. Like, you know, people that are into stocks and crypto yeah. and watches have seen, like, you know, massive drops, whereas, mad, you know, property drops. prices, they're projected yeah. to drop, but then in reality, it's going to be like, you know, the higher end mm. of the market. So the stuff that was on help to buy that people were mm. paying a massive premium for, mm. the newly refurbished properties that people were paying a massive premium yeah. for in the same way that you pay a premium when you get a brand new house. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a brand new car. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, I think, it's interesting that you said property is forgiven. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right because people always need to live in property and I guess you can uh, rectify most things. But I think like, you know, the stumbling block for a lot of people is when they think about renovation, especially when it's a new thing. Yeah. They think it's so difficult. They may not start, but you know, I was going to ask you actually, and I think you kind of answer it, like which, which should you do first? Should you just go ahead and learn or should you learn and then go ahead and i feel like it's, it's I, personal analysis yeah. there's no right yeah. answer like yeah. how do you learn yeah because i'm quite an active learner yeah i'm like, an active so learner as well i need to do stuff yeah. like so my thing is i'll be on site like yeah. everything is white yeah. like okay we can't take that wall down you need to put a steel in white yeah. like oh but we have, can't you know yeah. whatever the case may be like we can't put a flitch beam in because it's x y or z yeah. okay but why so i know then the question to ask so even if yeah i'm going back to a friend that's in the industry and they've explained to me the rationale. So then I have the information to have a conversation outside of the expert that I've employed so I can get a second like second person opinion. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's so interesting. But I think That's obviously you start, you tear it. You, yeah. know, you don't necessarily start with a massive new build scheme. Yeah. So one of the, you know, quote unquote easiest ways to get into property mm. is a resident is like your own residential home. Now it's mm. not easy by any stretch. I'm not mm. saying you know property prices are cheap, but mm. you know, it's your lowest deposit, it's your lowest yeah. barrier to entry. It's down to obviously your affordability. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to compromise on what it is you want, then yeah. you can get onto the ladder, you know, yeah. earlier. Yeah. I mean in London, I mean for a lot of people they ain't gonna be able to afford but that. Then, but then do you know what you say that? So for yeah. example, I do like my consultation calls where I talk to people. Yeah. And I hope they don't mind me mentioning it, but I spoke to like a couple last week. Mm. They're early 20s, I think 20, like two and 23. Mm. And they're both like in McDonald's. They're both like supervisors, okay. been there for a while. And collectively, they earn like 40K, give okay. or take about 20K each. Mm. Now, a lot of people look at that and say, oh, well, I can't get anything. I can't, I can't. But, you know, so they were saying, are oh, we going to, you know, we don't know what to do. And I had the conversation. It's like, but what a lot of people don't do mm. is they're so, I can't do it. It's too far for me that let me not even ask the question. Because mm. if you go and sit down with a mortgage broker and they turn around and say, okay, because you're currently living at your parents, you've got no car on finance, you've got no outstanding debt, you've got great credit, give or take will lend you four and a half times your earnings. Mm. You've now got 40,000 pounds, which means they'll maybe lend you up to 180,000 pounds. Mm. Like, and because they're living at home, you know, it was feasible for them to, you know, save sort of six, 700 pounds a month each. Over a course of time, they can save their, you know, not instantly, Mm. but, you know, through different things, like save a deposit of 10% at 20,000. You're now looking at buying a property Mm -hmm. for, let's say, 180,000 because you still need other costs Mm -hmm. that are going to be involved, like your legal fees, you know, you might need to furnish, et cetera. But 
it's possible. We went to look and we found like a flat and it wasn't what they wanted. Like, you know, ideally they wanted a two bedroom flat, yeah. but they were like, look, you know what? We found a flat. It was on a high street. It was above commercial, mm -hmm. but they spoke to a lender that said they'd do it. They were happy yeah. with a commercial underneath. Um, you know, and it was like 180,000 pounds. Okay. It was a good buy as well. Cause that's actually a high street that I know is about to undergo regeneration. Yeah. It's got like a multi-million pound high street regeneration. Wow. Fund. So they're going to benefit from that. Mm. And you know, there's this old saying that it's very hard to time the market and people always want to know yeah. when's the perfect time to buy it. And it's like time in the market versus time in the market. Because mm -hmm. if you're on the train, mm -hmm. you're part of that journey. So when yeah. it starts moving, you're part of it. And if, you know, it moves the other way, as long as you haven't overexposed yourself and over leveraged, yeah. like it, it's a long-term investment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's motivation. That's motivation. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for more tips um on 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 the property stuff. But I just was wondering, because you're you're saying you flip, you flip. What's your target then? Because you must have a target. Well, what's 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 the target gonna be for you to stop, or you never gonna stop? Gonna be I, like, I, mean, I don't know because it's like yeah. it's when it stops being you know stops being interesting. So yeah. like I'm scaling in terms of whereas you might have been doing, you know, one deal you do two deals, whereas you might do two deals you do five deals. You just mm. look at scaling, you look at bringing yep. in the right people, building a team, mm. doing bigger projects. Because to now I generally do like smaller scale residential mm. conversions. That's like you know two to nine unit schemes. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. that mean? Two to nine. Units. So that's the number of properties yeah. that like so buying residential property mm. and converting them into like multiple dwellings, so self contained flats. Okay, okay. When when did you get to that point? Were you always doing that? Or were you doing felt, just flipping? Two thousand. 15 okay so so quite a while after, now you've like, been yeah doing that so like after yeah. a couple of years of doing yeah. the the one beds and you're nice the thing is is everything mm. is just about staying active yeah like a lot of people will look at you know somebody's trajectory and say oh you know they look at a deal they did and the mm. deal that was the unicorn deal the amazing one they're like oh yeah but if they didn't do that deal that's where they got lucky <laughs> Okay. And like, but the thing about it is, like, mm. you create your own luck by staying proactive. Mm. Like, one of the best deals I did where I was hoping to make, you know, maybe 30, 40,000. Mm. And, you know, so I said, oh, I could have left the deal alone because I said maybe it wasn't enough. We said we did it, ended up buying a flat upstairs. Mm. That same property, you know, with the same amount of money in, ended up making, you know, over, I think it was like 150% return on investment, maybe really? even more than that. Wow. So it's like, but it was just right time, right place. Mm. But you got that by being proactive and doing things. Wow. I don't know, it's whatever you're doing, you're doing podcasts. Yeah. Why are you doing them every week and being consistent? Mm. You might be at the right time, right place yeah. to get the guests that you know everybody else wants. Yeah. That is the one that propels yeah. the you know the podcast and the platform to the next level. Yeah. But if you were never out here doing it, yeah. you're never gonna get it's that true. luck. Yeah. It's true. You, yeah, I do believe that you you definitely create your own luck. I don't feel like like you said, if you're not if you're not doing it, you then you don't have the opportunity to be part of something. That's mm. that's that's gonna be there. Um this is this is not an awkward question, hmm. but what what's the most money you've made on a deal? Like, what's been your biggest deal? Um, I mean, you know, we have to be. Everyone's very tax efficient in business. So it's <laughs> like you know, the deal the deals can make money. The deals yeah. can you know make mm. you know upwards of again in, in terms of time frame maybe. <laughs> yeah, like a, a decent amount of money. I don't know what that decent is, but it's very you know perspective. But maybe four or five hundred thousand okay you know but That's it's good. it just depends like because mm. it's it depends how long it takes you to make that mm -hmm. some people would look at that and say you know what like i make that you know i make that in a month from day trading but it's their exposure to risk yeah whereas i think the structure that i've built mm. is a bit you know for somebody who's like myself naturally yeah. quite risk adverse mm -hmm. but as are you you're risk averse yeah like i i, I manage my risk very closely like ah. I could have, i've had people you know offer me mm. i think back when i did that sort of 2014 15 people offering me like you know millions of pounds to go and manage and i said look i don't think i'm ready to do that right now right, to take that okay. step in terms of like tearing debt on debt and you know borrowing from this and having mm. been over leveraged again yeah. I've always tried to remain pretty pretty safe. That's good. That's good. And long may that continue. I feel like you're very super intelligent, driven, doing everything the right way. But we've obviously we've got a bit of a bear coming on us at the moment. So of course interest rates have you know, yeah. increased a lot, inflation is rearing its head. How's that like impacted what you're what you're doing at the moment? I mean, like a lot of stuff is like it's serious. Mm. But it's again, and if you've got a single buy to let, like I completely understand. I've seen some letters come through the post and it's like, you know, I've got one of my HMOs and I think we were paying like £1,200 a month. The market rent in the area is probably, I don't know right now, but maybe 1600 Yeah. We were playing 1200 Um Now, 
interest rates because mm. of, if you were on a flexible product, yeah. that same loan would have gone up. You know, if you left it on a variable rate to like 1,900, which means you would have been at a loss if that was your sole investment and you weren't able mm. to go out and get another mortgage. Yeah. Now, for most people, there is a product switch and you can switch. So for example, I switched mm. that product. I pulled out an additional £90,000 of equity and my mortgage went from 1200 to, I think, 1490 or something like mm -hmm. that. So I've pulled out an extra £100,000. I've got additional borrowing, mm -hmm. but, you know, or £90,000. Yeah. And it's not gone up that drastically. And because it's a HMO, mm. you know, it's bringing in 3000 yeah. you know, sort of 200 after bills. So mm -hmm. it's still it's still a good investment. And yeah. I think people buying properties now have to stress test their deals a lot more yeah so the three key components like particularly for flips like mm -hmm. what if you know it takes longer than you expected and your cost of finance goes yeah. up particularly if you're on a bridging loan because a lot of bridging loans are switching to variable rate products yeah which means you're more exposed to market forces mm -hmm. the second thing is what if there's a dip in the market and your yeah. resale prices drop and then the third thing is that you know with political instability yeah. with brexit bill costs are going up as well so what if your bill costs go up and if you stress test to deal with all those mm -hmm. three things you know and it still makes sense then you know that it's, it's a good deal but i yeah. think it's a little bit more attention to detail when buying yeah and buying you know buying smart i think like, like loads of things there were loads of crypto geniuses and you know <laughs> loads of stock geniuses when yeah. you know we were in a bull market and everyone everything was great yeah a lot of people you know whether it's in the property space or whether it's yeah. in other spaces are going to disappear yeah um because they were riding the market as opposed to actually creating value yeah yeah and that's the thing i feel like you know with low interest rates i think we almost forgot how good we got it and the financial crisis wasn't that long ago but again people got comfortable again quickly yeah i mean but everything's relative yeah because for example again this was maybe i use this example it's slightly changed now because mm. rates have kind of stabilized a little bit for a little while people were saying your average interest rate you're getting is six to six and a half percent yeah on a on a you know on a buy to let yeah. product company name that's what you were looking at um oh no sorry let's say residential that's mm. what you were looking at now if you bought um beginning of 2021 yeah there's an argument that because you know the market was going so well you overpaid maybe prices were inflated by even up to 10 percent so for your 500,000 pounds property you overpaid by 50,000 pounds mm -hmm. and you put in a 50,000 pounds deposit if i want to buy that same property now maybe because the market isn't as competitive and it's a buyer's market maybe i put in an offer 450,000 mm -hmm. it gets accepted so i pay 50,000 less yeah. and 5,000 less on my deposit with my 10 percent deposit right but the mortgage payments over if they locked in a two percent rate for five years yeah they would be maybe looking at you know sort of 1300 pounds something like that on the other side if the same person is now looking yeah. at paying 2100 and paying 800 pounds more mm -hmm. over the course of the five years yeah they're paying Forty-eight thousand pounds more in interest. Yeah. So effectively, they're in the same place, and it's like, okay, would you rather have got the fifty thousand pounds discount day one, mm -hmm. or would you rather pay eight hundred pounds a month less on a monthly basis? Yeah. So there's always people like, I want low interest rates, I want low property prices, but they pull their, you know, their market yeah. pull and push factors. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a to be fair, that's a good point. I bet you a lot of people would have wished they had the two percent rate, right? Two, three percent. Yeah, rate. but then even but a lot of people now. at that yeah. time were still, you know. Because I think banks are very savvy. We're yeah. like, you know, only locking themselves in for two years. So even yeah. myself, like I had, I think, and you know, I refinanced like quite a few properties during yeah. that time, but I still only locked it in for two years. So Same, we got some yeah. amazing rates, but you know, come 2023, yeah. beginning of 2024, yeah. you know, we're looking at having to readjust. Yeah. You know what I saw actually that was very interesting? You can correct me if I'm wrong. I remember when I was doing my two year fixed rate, I feel like, the longer it was, mm. the higher the rate would go slightly higher. Yeah. But I feel like I'm seeing, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I'm seeing the opposite happening now. I haven't. Generally speaking, I don't, I don't, because yeah. I'm not really in the residential yeah. space. So I'm looking okay. at really long term. Like Are you more commercial? No, just okay. in terms of, so okay. residents, owner occupier okay. residences, where I think yeah. that's the case more. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe you're right, actually. That is, that is true, because it was on my, you're right. I mean, it, it could be. I'm not like, you yeah. know, I'll be, I mean, sure yeah. people can let us know, but yeah. Um, I think yeah that that's the obviously like at the end of the day the big institutions they've you know they spend millions to kind of project where things are going yeah. and they're predicting the market so yeah. all of these things maybe kind of give you an indication yeah. and i always say like when you you know you said about getting into property you're mm. getting into business like a lot of the times when you're not sure mm. follow the money yeah so like when i wasn't sure where to invest or where's a good area to buy but i could see you know 
we were investing in HS2 and Crossrail and they were talking about potentially, you know, Dartford, Disneyland, it's like Disneyland England, you know, it's like, okay, cool. You see a lot going on over there. So I don't have the money to invest to do the market research, but they definitely do. They're building out, you know, thousands of flats on the waterfront in Greenwich. So I know that if I'm buying houses for 350,000 and they're selling flats as new builds for 500, mm -hmm. eventually that price is going to trickle down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's such a, that's such a, how, how do you find information like that? Because I did hear about the Disneyland near Dartford. Mm -hmm. I live around near there, so I kind of heard about it. I don't know when it's coming. Yeah. But how did you, how, how do you find information like that? I mean, there's it? a lot of like, you can go online and look at like, you know, development plans. And a lot yeah. of it is maybe like they talk about Westfields and Croydon. It's not yeah. a definitive, mm. but outside of what's maybe happening, yeah. like the Dartford, you can see the crossroads happening. Yeah. Like they're there building it. It's it's in place. Yeah. You know, and they have plans. They have yeah, I, development I plans. For it's it. game changers. Yeah. Is is mad like I I get like to um it would take me normally let's say Tottenham Court Road if I was to get to Tottenham Court Road probably over an hour now drive to Abbey Wood probably about ten minutes it's twenty minutes from there so mm. half an hour cut it in half yeah, just yeah. like that so yeah it's crazy I was wondering like to ask you this question like do you feel like buy to let is still profitable in this economy it's you know, it's again, it's harder. Yeah, like, it is harder. Yeah, they are bashing the landlord a lot, particularly, you know, yeah, so with changes in tax that you mm. can't, you know, as a, a person owning property, you can't claim the majority of the interest element yeah. as an expense anymore. Um, with the stamp duty rises and additional premiums for second homes, yeah. um, just with legislation around like, you know, yeah. requirements for landlords and landlord licensing. They're making it harder but what you have seen is outside of that again follow the money we've seen the biggest like you know uptake of institutional landlords mm -hmm. so the other day i don't know if you saw an announcement but john lewis have pledged to buy x many homes and they're invested in property okay you know and over in america there was another pledge i can't remember from who to say they want to have a million single like you know residential units or something okay. like that so i think again it's kind of not conspiracy theorists but you know you bash the landlord you make kind of your standard landlords have to sell mm. institutions pick them up and they pick them up where they're geared lower so whereas we might yeah. be geared at 75 percent loan to value they're geared at you know 50 60 percent so it still makes it viable and profitable yeah. in the short term and over the long term they benefit from the capital appreciation because yeah. we're, we're a small country that's yeah. highly desirable there's a limited amount of space um you know so over time we've never met our new homes um you know new homes quotas for yeah. the government they've recently said they're going to remove quotas for building new homes because they haven't ever achieved it okay um so yeah we'll, we'll see mad that's crazy what, what what strategies do you think will work in in this current environment I know you're flipping, so I feel I feel like yeah. flipping. I'm is flipping. there any I mean, other kind of strategy? Flipping is like? like flipping's probably got the most exposure in this strategy because yeah. you're exposed to the most amount of things. You're exposed to interest rates, you're exposed yeah. to property prices falling, yeah. and we're exposed to the bill costs. Yeah. Is it has it have you seen like a massive yeah, like, increase like, in like, it? Yeah, you know, there was a point yeah. where like glass, steel, yeah. timber was increasing, you know, like five, ten percent wow. like on a regular basis. That's insane. Um, and they say that inflation is 10%, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the material prices shut up. There was, you know, a mass exodus of contractors after mm. Brexit. So labor prices went up. So flipping's difficult. But again, it's like you're never going to get the best of everything. Mm. So because flipping's more difficult, there's less people are doing it. Lower yeah. competition means you can be more competitive with your offerings. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, you know, property, you make your money when you buy. Yeah, yeah. So you buying at the right price now, even in a market that's yeah. not that great. Like if you offer the right amount of money, get the right deal across the table, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's your, your most likely, if it's if in particularly, if you don't necessarily have to quick sell mm -hmm. and you can ride the market out for a couple of years, then, you know, it still, still can be a good investment opportunity. I mm -hmm. think if you have, if you're fortunate enough, yeah, maybe just gear down a little bit. So stress test it. Like what if interest rates go up mm -hmm. to X percent? Like does it, is it still profitable mm -hmm. or can you, even if it's not profitable, can you still afford it based on other income? Yeah. Throughout this whole conversation, there's one thing that I've been thinking about. Ha, ha, like the motivation. What's the motivation for all of this? Man? You're working hard. Do you know? I can I see think, it. Right, there's a. There's like there's self belief. Yeah. There's there's fear of failure. Yeah. Like Why? I think. What are you worried about? What, I think that like, because like particularly with like you know mm. social media and yeah. being like that guy, yeah. then there's okay. I've got to keep going. I've got yeah. you know I've got to keep doing the next one, mm. next one, and bigger and better. But even in myself, like you know, mm. I've naturally like in terms of like family, a lot of people relying on me. So mm. it's like I know that okay. I'm I'm happy to to burden responsibility, and there's a lot of people. There's a lot that I want to do to help. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that's kind of a driver. And obviously, like everybody, I'm not saying like I'm not the most like sometimes I think, you know, I have days I'm thinking this is like this is long. I'm tired. Mm. Like, really? Yeah, you think it's long even though you've achieved so much? Yeah, I think it's long. Like I just think, oh, like, you know what? Like I could just chill. Like I could just chill. I could just have my buy to lets, have a portfolio, mm. sell up some of the development. You know, you could buy up north. You can go and buy like for it. It depends how much like capital you got. If you got, mm. again, if you got like a million pounds, two million liquid, you can go and buy like 50 units up north, each yeah, of them are making you, that's true. you know, 300 pounds a month. Yeah. You can just be like, okay, I've got 15,000 pounds paying me a month. And you know, that's that's me, if that's what you want. But I think it's understanding what you want. Mm. And I think knowing that I want a lot is what keeps me, you know, mm. keeps me motivated. Oh, crazy. So <laughs> you, so the drive, the drive is, is, is there. But in those days where you're like, okay, cool. Like, so I think definitely sounding yeah. boards. Like, so there's my guy, like yeah. Alex, business mm. partner. He, um, owns AA drafting my architectural firm that I work alongside a lot as well um and you know we have a lot of similar issues so you got somebody to bounce ideas mm -hmm. off recently you saw that we went down to like the the brat property developers yeah. like sort of end of year social so we yeah. kind of met up like 32 brothers just speaking mm -hmm. about what's going on people talking you know not just the Instagram the shiny yeah. stuff but you know what's yeah. going on how can we help each other what do you need mm -hmm. help with and I think when you've got 32 people in your field mm -hmm. that are all like just happy to be there and are all at different stages yeah like no problem is more than a phone call away so okay. I think building up that kind of network yeah. of people around you so yeah man pick them up as well the guys that put that together that's crazy you know, Rowan Adewale yeah. Ayo the guys that put yeah. that together wow wow I love that and it's, it's so good that you mentioned that because I feel like you know, that's an element of accountability. I feel mm -hmm. like whenever you're trying to do a journey, it's really tough to do it by yourself. It yeah. is really hard because, you know, having that moment of weakness, everybody has it. It's, it's human yeah. nature, right? We're humans. We're not, we can't be like on a hundred every single day. But so. there's always a reason not to do something. Yeah. Like remember always. I told you, like yeah. I'm ill today. Like I'm yeah. literally, I'm sitting up, my, my lower yeah. back is hurting. Yeah. I can feel goosebumps, tingles, but I said, yeah. you know what, this is something that I, I need to do mm. because I said I'm going to do it. Yeah. And if I don't do it today, mm. then we got to rearrange the time. Yeah. I know my diary's already busy. Yeah. What else is that going to push back? Mm -hmm. That is always an excuse to do something tomorrow. Yeah. But it depends on how passionate you are about yeah. it and how much you value what you've got to do tomorrow yeah. as well. You know, whether or not you say, you know, I'm just going to get it done. And yeah. Just push through. I love that. I love that. I love that philosophy, man. I love that. Keep it. Please keep it. Mm. Um, I remember one time, I think I saw a live of you mm. a couple of years, one or two years mm. ago. I think you were in Dubai. Yeah. Are you doing much work out there or was no, that just... I've got my, yeah. my business partner out yeah. there. Um, got like a, a business where mm. we make like luxury packagings. We okay. make bags for, you know, some retailers out there. We make some for people here. Oh. We've done stuff. You know. Okay, so you're not just property. You're, you're doing other businesses I, I mean, well, I'm kinda. very hands-off in that space. Okay. Like it's my company, but I've got mm. a business partner. We kind of bought into an existing business structure that we saw that we right. could add value to by offering the customer service element, but they okay. would still deal with all of the logistics okay. and kind of like the back end stuff and we would yeah. be front of house. Yeah. So we got that, looking to kind of grow that business. Wow. You know, invest in kind of a few other businesses in yeah. the UK as well. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. Areas, 2023, because that's, I know most listeners are going to be like, okay, where am I, where am I investing? Is there any areas in particular that you have that you're looking at? In 2023 i think you know it's, i'm i'm focused i'm in mm. southeast london okay that's and that's just, everywhere for me okay. it's like the reason i'm so focused on that area is like because if i know an area mm. you can send me a property mm. and it can be on x road like call it reels yeah. down road and wherever that may be like i know how good that road is i know if it's in the right catchment area for the school i know how far it is from xyz so mm -hmm. in terms of doing deal analysis i can yeah. be a lot more efficient with the use of my time mm -hmm. I is that because you're just from the area? Is that why? Yeah, it's, like, like, it's what know. I know. Like I've yeah. built up a knowledge base over okay. time. I've built up contacts, whether it's mm -hmm. from, you know, like I said, and it's always good having people a phone call away. If I'm, you know, sort of second guessing myself on the GDV, mm -hmm. I've got an agent I can call up and be like, listen, I'm looking at this. What do you think? 30 seconds, like, yeah, that stacks. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not really doing the deep dive, having to put okay. a pack together and, you know, all of those things. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely focus on areas, you know, you know, I think, areas that you know are strong but maybe so for example the emerging areas that are already strong like your whether you say it's like your Brixton your Camberwells you know Clapham's etc they may be a few people that are like kind of waiting you know they're waiting because it's optional for them maybe it's kind of like you know the typical buyers there yeah. that may be like large deposit from parents etc so those type of properties that are coming up at auction people are going to be a little bit scared yeah. you know the premium for those when they come back to market so and when the market becomes strong again so mm -hmm. potentially picking up some of sort of those in those areas that are already there mm -hmm. but they're on the cusp of being even better because the great thing about london it's like a nucleus it's just zone one and out yeah so yeah. as soon as somebody gets 
you know, pushed out of Battersea, they're in Wanza. As soon as they're pushed out of Wanza, they're in Clapham, they're in Clapham, yeah. they're in, yeah. and it's just so you kind of know, like, yeah. price point wise, mm. you can finish to like the Wanza standard, mm -hmm. but be a little bit further out, you know, yeah. maybe somewhere closer to Peckham sort of way, and mm. be like, still kind of push that ceiling price to get that Wanza money. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy when I hear you talk about all of this because I'm, I'm, from, I'm from South London as well. I grew up in Camberwell, so mm. it's, 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 it's crazy, like, how the prices fluctuated and how expensive it got. And I only kind of, not regret, I, I kind of regret in a way for my, you know, for family that grew up in the area yeah, that, people, wow, like you had the gold off. mine and you didn't even know that you had the gold and, mine. And, and that was one of the reasons why I yeah. started like the whole yeah. page about transparency, yeah. about like, normalizing ownership and having yeah. those conversations because like when we touched on to go and speak into a broker, yeah. a lot of people told you they can't do it until mm -hmm. they say, why don't you just check? What do you lose by speaking to the broker? No yeah. credit check, no credit search. Tell them how much money you have, how much you're earning. Be transparent, talk about money. Yeah. Because if you're trying to run a race and you've got no idea what you've got to get to, mm -hmm. where, where you're trying to get to and where you are now, yeah. how do you gauge how far you've got? Yeah, it's true. So then it's so easy. If you don't know how far you've got, how do you stay motivated? Yeah. So work out where you are mm -hmm. and then start running. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it's not like super rocket science, yeah. but a lot of people are scared to know where they are because it will almost be, they think it will be demotivation if they're told they can't do it. Yeah. But what if you're told you can do it and you could have done it two years ago when you could have got interest rates for half the price? Yeah, it's true. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. I feel like, I mean, you like you said, you just need to know how far you are. Uh, mm. I, I remember before I even got my property, I was doing research two years, three years before. Yeah, no, you have like, to. And like in terms of how areas change, like, yeah. like I said, you can kind of see it. Like I remember... I don't know what film is. It's one of those old English films, like whether it's like Lockstock or one of those mm. kind of films. And at the end of it, they're like, yeah. And then she went to go and retire to that shit old Penge. Like, so talking about <laughs> Penge, like now, like, sorry, no, I think it was Crystal Palace, sorry, or something oh, like that. Gosh. And then now Crystal Palace won like area to live in London, like yeah. 2022. And it's like those sort of transitions. That's crazy. That, yeah. You know, it happens. I'm not saying it happens overnight, yeah. but if you're in it for the long term, I use the example, I've used it a few times, it's like maybe boring, but it's like people that have made more money from their single residential purchase than they have for work in their entire life. Mm -hmm. If you make 25,000 a year, you know, it's just, it depends, do you know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it, like, so you work for 25,000 a year, in 10 years you make a quarter of a million, in yeah. 30 years you maybe made 750,000. Mm -hmm. Some properties that people bought, for example, from, you know, help to buy in Notting Hill and areas like that for mm -hmm. kind of Windrush and like, you know, maybe the, the generation slightly after them, the way they've gone off in value, they've made more money from those assets than they have from working. Yeah. So I'm not saying everybody's going to do that, mm -hmm. but, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to get involved and get involved yeah. smart, then, you know, generally speaking, yeah. it can be a good good investment opportunity. Exactly. In in your 10 years of being in property, yeah, what, what would you say has been the biggest challenge is for you because i'm trying to give people a picture of what it's what the day-to-day -day is like for you do you know what yeah like, and it's like i love builders like mm. my builders my <laughs> brothers we got sunny imperial construction yeah. got ranch like my team that i've been using for ages but like understanding the difference between like the social norms with builders versus like maybe coming out of an office and trying to cc somebody in an email particularly at the smaller scale that like, can be can be like you know can be super frustrating to the mm -hmm. point you feel like i want to pull my hair out i'm super mm -hmm. stressed out but like the um you know and it's, it's dealing with them but understanding you know those personal skills that it's a different kind of it's a different place mm -hmm. um i think a lot of it early on like i wanted everything to be too so smooth mm -hmm. like i wanted it to be like right so I'd make out like full project, like charts of you finished and you come in and you do this, then you do that. And I was like super regimented. Mm. And then when it didn't go to plan, I was like, oh, I'm messing this all up. Mm. But the reality is like, you know, when you're managing multiple trades, people have got to work simultaneously mm. on top of each other. And you can try and do it really step by step and methodically. But a lot of the times that just ends up being so much slower yeah. and like, you know, not a way some people are used to working. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How did, how did you overcome that? that little I think you know yeah. like ego sometimes yeah. like so for example for a lot of the time I, I tell people that you know 80% of my job is being like different people's secretaries whether that's EDFs to make sure they come to connect the new supplies yeah whether that's British Gas to make sure they sorted something out whether that's my contractors to make sure that you know they're doing yeah. what we've agreed whether that's chasing councils for mm. planning you know there's a lot of chasing and administration outside of the whole like homes under the hammer I took yeah. this and I turned it into that so I think it's understanding the skill sets. But for a lot of people that come from a corporate space, that's, you know, the organization is a really transferable skill set. Yeah. If you've come as maybe like a PA, mm. 
Yeah. You bringing people together, that's your bag. Yeah. Like you could thrive, but it's just seeing, okay, like how, how do I bring those skills and take them across and just yeah. pivot them slightly to work in this new area? Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. You're, that you mentioned the fact of transferable skills, which is which is true. There's a lot of people that are project managers in technology and they feel like, oh, they forget that actually they can employ a lot of those skills in, mm-hmm. in, in, in property. So knowing what you know today, what would you do differently if you were to start again? Um, so rent to rent, I started doing, I stopped doing when we was managing like sort of 50 odd properties, like 50. 300 units, okay. like 300 like units or room units. Yeah. I think I would have, systemize that better mm. that would allow us to scale like more significantly okay. i think there was a massive niche for people that wanted to get into the co-living space okay um you know for high-end hmos yeah i think that's something i would like people are still doing it now people are raising funding as prop tech mm. businesses because the reality is you know hmos like house of multiple occupancies or shared shared accommodation mm. are becoming not just you know a not just something that people are producing, but a necessity. Mm. If you've got starting salaries for nurses, police officers, yeah. accountants, you know, people, finance, all different people that are on, you know, 25,000, maybe yeah. renting that one bedroom flat mm. and saving and you know, having a life isn't mm. necessarily viable. Yeah. So that shared accommodation space, I think there was a really good okay. opportunity. And I think even now with the yeah. market, with the uncertainty rates going up, I think it's a really good time to capitalize on yeah. and make money in, in the rent to rent space. Okay. It's always yeah. profit. Even rent to rent a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it's like not something I'm actively in, but yeah. I'm looking at it now and saying, yeah, there's there's money to be made right really? now. Really? Still? Even yeah. now? Oh, wow. That's crazy. There's definitely money to be made Wow, right now, it so. feels like so many people are doing it, but if if you're talking about it like that, it means it seems like maybe there's not even an, enough people doing I it. I mean, there's there's definitely enough people doing it, but like, you know, I said the, probably one of the first things I said was you don't have to reinvent the world. Mm-hmm just have to do it better true as the market shifts changing marketing yeah. conditions what are you offering the landlord yeah are you coupling a rent to rent deal with an option agreement yeah you know or a lease option like what are you what are you doing with the yeah. deal how are you making it make sense within the current climate yeah if there's people that you know potentially you know going through hardship that you can help exit their property if it's become a financial burden yeah you know that maybe that's a deal to be struck there yeah yeah i think you know there's always the properties that are sold that have yeah. you know doubled and tripled in value but at the same time it's like if you didn't sell them then you wouldn't have been able to buy other stuff so yeah that's very much give or take yeah 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 mad okay i've got i've got a scenario for you yeah mm. And and you got the benefit because you got all this skill, knowledge, and everything. Yeah. So if you had 20, 20 grand right now to play with, right? Mm-hmm. How could you? How would you flip that to hundred? Okay. And you probably say, oh, I took that's that's simple for me. No, I mean yeah. it's just like you know, flipping something to a hundred yeah. isn't. It's not. It's not easy. Like yeah. I'm not saying turning around to mm. say, yo, that that's really easy. Mm. Like, but I used, and. You know, it's all down to your attitude towards risk. Yeah. You can do loads of different things. So you could, for example, look at that and mm-hmm. say, no, I'm just going to buy my residential property. Over time, I'm going to slowly improve it. Mm-hmm. Going to benefit from, you know, capital appreciation. If you buy a property, like I showed my friend one mm-hmm. today, and I was like, look, this property is 280000 In this current market, going off for of 250 you do it up, you can use a licensed total agreement, convert it to a three-bed. That's worth 350 all day. It's undervalued, mm-hmm. but it's just in a bad condition. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a £20,000 model, mm-hmm. but it's like there's opportunities out there. So you can still buy that property as a residential yeah. mortgage, not that one exactly, but something similar to that yeah. and look for an opportunity to add value over time. I'm not saying, you know, it's probably going to take a significant, it could take you five years based on mm-hmm. current market conditions. That's still but good. How are you going to save, you know, Yeah. Tw- how are you going to save 20000 a year effectively outside mm-hmm. of that? So mm-hmm. it's still it's still good money. Um, obviously, that's about buying smart. I'm not mm-hmm. saying all properties are going to appreciate yeah. by that much. But, you know, with buying a one bedroom flat with the scope to add, you know, maybe reconfiguration, turn it to a two bed. Mm. That's one of the strategies that I employed really early on. Okay. You know, and I did it with a bridging loan. But you could potentially do it with mm. a um, residential mortgage, mm. which means 10% deposits. You're a lot closer to that capital amount. Buy to lets are tricky. Like, mm. you know, you're not, you can buy a buy to let for £60,000, yeah. pay a £15,000 deposit, but you know, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere near mm. the amount of money you want to get mm. in, in a short space of time, but it's yeah. an investment opportunity, yeah. you know, rent to rent, you can get into rent to rent. It's got much lower barriers to entry. And again, it's none of these things like are guaranteed to say, oh, you can definitely go and do it. But if you said, okay, like with my rent to rent, I spend, you know, a thousand pounds on compliance on sort of setting things up. I then take on, you know, three deals. Like mm. I'm even going to use like, so just three deals to start with. And they start cash flowing you 800 pounds a month each, like positive cash flow. 
you're now means that you know within four months time you can take on another deal and you can snowball like that and have yeah. the multiplier effect and obviously that's down to your capability to be able to actually take on those deals you could do that i mean down to expertise and your attitude towards risk you could look at you know potentially an option agreement for planning mm. gains so you could see a site yeah maybe that's you know the site could be three hundred thousand pounds for yeah. argument's sake and you could say okay you know what like i'm gonna pay a non-refundable deposit while i go and you know try and get planning for an option yeah. to buy it at a certain price yeah buy it for that three hundred thousand you buy it sorry you buy the option agreement for five thousand pounds for argument's sake could be less could be more mm -hmm. um, buy that option agreement you then spend the remaining fifteen thousand pounds yeah. and you use that to employ obviously your architects your planning consultants to get your relevant surveys done and hopefully obviously get planning that would increase the value of that land yeah you could then resell that you can buy it and resell it mm -hmm. or you can effectively like you know sell the option to somebody who wants yeah. to finish the development and that could be sold for in excess of a hundred thousand wow that's crazy. <laughs> wow. He smashed it. He smashed it. He smashed it. I think I think the listeners we've got we've gotten so much value uh, from you from you today. Um I guess a final question for me, really just more for for, mm. for for the beginner from a beginner perspective. And there's a few more questions I want to ask you about what you're planning for the future. Um what would you say like for a complete beginner, like because there's so much out mm. there, there's so many ways you could start where would you say is like a good starting point for beginning to get into property it's just really like just it's like anything like yeah wherever you want to learn it. Like yeah. if you want to learn about football what do yeah. you do you turn it on you yeah, watch you just it turn you, it on there, you go to the yeah. park you buy a ball you kick yeah. it around yeah. you work out what you're bad at what you're good at yeah. you then maybe go and do some training or you yeah. then just train yourself on those areas until you think you've got to where your potential is where yeah. you need somebody to take you further yeah it's the same in everything like yeah. you know you're gonna go and do it like find out what you don't like what you yeah. do like about property where your strengths like have those conversations talk to people who are where you want to be yeah you know surround yourself with people that are doing it you know i think just just like kind of actually actively proactively like be talking property mm -hmm. like my first intern like you know he was he set up a property page he hadn't bought any property but he was just kind of like putting together like property facts as he learned them out found things that he found interesting yeah. he'd put them out and present them and then people started reaching out to him about like you know working on property stuff and then he started working with me doing some bits so i think you put yourself you put yourself out there and i think we spoke off camera about yeah. you know you're a typical estate agent you know um had like their shop window and that's it even when everything's closed people can see what's going on and I think it was like, a, a, you know, a gentleman that was speaking to me was like, look, if you don't put yourself out there, mm. there's people that are not even doing anything. They're actually fraudulent and they're putting themselves out yeah. there. So by you not saying what you're doing, if you have an expertise, you're almost doing a, not just a disservice to yourself, mm. but to like the wider community to potentially yeah. want to learn as well. True that. True that. So I think put it out there and engage with people. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. Kazi, thank you so much. Um, so, so what, what's the plan? What's what's your? I, I won't even ask you for your five year plan. What, what, what are we trying to achieve in the next couple of years? Um, so we sponsor Most Wanted Elite, the football team. Okay. Um, oh, they're doing. Never heard of them. Yeah. Where they play? They're um. So they're like a twelve to eighteen. They're doing okay. really well. Like they won multiple leagues between wow. the boys and girls. Like That's FA it. youth clubs had players signed to Chelsea, Arsenal. So yeah, they're they're wow. really smashing it. So sponsoring them was important. Yeah. Um, grassroots football mm -hmm. being able to liaise with different people like so i'm hoping to bring in some like banks yeah. to be able to come and sponsor but not just sponsor them financially yeah. but also do talks on you know money management because yeah. if you've got some of these young boys and girls that have the potential to earn exponential amounts of money yeah you want to be able to involve them in the process yeah. um yeah just doing like some more ventures so like i mentioned rowan earlier mm -hmm. i think do some larger scale developments hopefully mm -hmm. next year with rowan from featherstone homes yeah um continue to finish like you know hash out my projects yeah. got sort of four projects that i'm dealing with at the moment okay. sort of to come into completion to sort of very early stages you excited about those two coming to completion yeah i mean yeah this is sad they, yeah. they're good they're not like massive but they're decent decent numbers make sense on them mm. so that's good um continue to do stuff like you know in the space mm. doing you know kind of I had a love-hate relationship with the like the, the influencer and the content creation, but <laughs> yeah. it was only when I went to like industry. They're like, no, you've yeah. got to say like you create content in the property space because it's actually a niche and it's yeah. like nice as well. So I think yeah. like branching into that a little bit, but really just I'm a developer at heart. Yeah. So just focus on the development, yeah, yeah, build yeah. the business, and hopefully inspire you know some more people to get into property. Yeah, you know what's you know what's crazy, right? You, I, I definitely understand what you're saying about the influencing, but. You know the truth of the matter is is that 
it's like you were saying before, like if nobody's talking about it, we're all kind of almost blind mm. to it. But there is somebody doing it there and they're yeah. doing it well, but we don't even know who they are, yeah, yeah. how they did it. And, and you kind of put a, is, you're just blind to it. You don't know it's yeah, possible like sometimes. In that, you yeah. know, particularly like in black mm. culture, it's like we're more scared yeah. to talk about money because yeah. it's dirty. So it's like, oh, if you make more money, mm. you've taken somebody else's money. You've got a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. But like, if you read like, I don't know, like Sapiens economic books, yeah. like the GDP of the world has expanded year on year. So yeah. if the pie is getting bigger, mm. you're not taking money from somebody else if you make more. Exactly. Um, and I think just having that more, you know, abundant mindset that, you know, yeah. we can all do this if we put it out yeah. there. Me saying something isn't going to mean somebody else is going to take food off off my plate. And it's nice. Like, you know, some yeah. particularly like when I'm outside, like whether it's Brixton, go pop and people are like, yo, yeah. I bought my first house because yeah. of you. Or, yeah, we yeah. just like finished our mortgage app. We're putting an offer in. And all those things, like you said, when yeah. you're tired and you're thinking long, like, I can't bother <laughs> this social stuff. It's long. Mm. So, I right, you know what? It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah it's Defo, Defo, Defo has its rewards for sure. Um, where, where can people find you, actually, on socials? So, socials is uh, Property by Kazi, K-A-Z-Y, all one word. That's on... In- <laughs> Hey, he's really sick he wasn't lying about him being ill hey, hey, that, we almost got to the end um, yeah. so that's property by Kazi all one word K-A-Z-Y um, Instagram you know Facebook TikTok now apparently TikTok uh, is blowing yeah I, I can't manage my own TikTok I'm, yeah you I'm know ready, what we, we can talk offline <laughs> we can talk offline about I'm that I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying and then yeah obviously YouTube as well yeah. it's like where the longer form content is for people that are really you know they've heard the sound bites and now they want to do a deep dive yeah cool 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 mm-hmm. awesome and do you have any final words for the listeners and watchers? Um, yeah, man, the internet's not real. Just focus on, you know, your wins, your own journey. Everybody's journey is different. Just keep running it. Make sure you got a goal, you got your destination and just just stay stay busy, stay proactive. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Kazi. Really, really appreciate you coming on the pod. Um, and thanks so much for providing so much gems, so much value, you know, sharing your story, sharing how it's working out for you right now as well. I feel like it's going to inspire a lot of people. Um, so many people want to get into property. So I feel like them knowing that it's actually possible that you can get to this level. I feel like it dispels a lot of like limiting beliefs because mm-hmm. a lot of people feel like they can't do it. So yeah, definitely appreciate you. Uh, listeners, watchers, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Takeoff Experience. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you. I think this is going to be the last episode before the new year. So yeah, this is a happy new year from me. And yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.